This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Let's begin. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for coming. Thanks for joining in on Zoom. Everyone in Memphis and everyone who's joining and will watch on Torah Anytime. It's, it's an unbelievable zchos. It's always a zchos. You know, I say this every time. You guys think it's part of my speech. It's not part of my speech. I genuinely feel that this is a gift. It is a tremendous gift to be able to get together with other special people and try and become better Jews. I'm not kidding around. This is an unbelievable gift. I feel gifted by Hashem to be able to have this conversation with you. It's Parsha Shemois. We're in the middle of a discussion, but we're going to begin a new discussion within that discussion. So anybody who's just tuning in now, you can listen to this class. This class stands alone on its own. However, this began because the last class, we began to speak about davening, the idea of talking to Hashem, the idea of prayer, tefillah. And we realized that we want to grow in this, and we want to stop and give special focus to this topic. So you might call this a part two or a standalone. It doesn't really matter. It does stand alone. And today, what we're going to focus on is what I believe is another step, the next step, you may call it, or at least another of the many ingredients that play a role into us being able to effectively and passionately be able to engage in a dialogue with Hashem, our Creator, our King, and our Father, in that which we call tefillah, prayer, davening. The... You know where this crops up, where you first get an inkling that what we're going to talk about today is extremely true and relevant. Is that sometimes a text goes out, or somebody puts up a, a status on their WhatsApp, or goes on Facebook, that today is a super special day for davening, and that today all the gates are open, and whatever you say will have profound impact up in heaven. And if you've ever responded to those and maybe pulled out a Tehillim and decided to daven or throw up a quick prayer in any English language or any language you wanted, you might have found yourself more moved at that moment than you are normally when you daven. Why? Why at that moment when they said, oh, this is it, this is the time to daven, oh, do it now. Why do we find ourselves more motivated and more emotionally awake at that moment than all the other times we dive in. What's the difference? One answer is simple, something we talked about last time, which is, well, it's a small moment of time, and although it's hard to always concentrate, we could focus for a moment. That's true. But there's another reason that tells us something about the way we view tefillah. And the other reason is we feel, at least I sense this in myself, that this prayer will work. They said this is a special moment. This is a time to delve in. Hashem's really going to listen. It might work. It might get the change I want. It may get the results I want. And my heart opens up and I say, well, if the doors are open, I'm coming in. So I go and I delve in and I feel the emotion. I feel the connection. And if you've experienced that, 
as I have, then what that really indicates to us is something we need to realign within our perspective on tefillah. And that is that we believe those moments work. And what that really tells us is that a little bit, or maybe a lot of bit, we think all the other moments don't really work. That prayer is not really heard. It doesn't really go up. Maybe because we can't imagine Hashem giving all these things. Maybe because we can't imagine we deserve these things. Maybe because we can't imagine that the way we're davening, the way we're praying, without kavana, without intent, without heart, could really get results. And so today, what we're going to focus on, what we're going to use in order to give our entire perspective on davening a jolt, is we need to develop the belief in our prayer, believing that davening works. To understand that what we have the ability to impact through davening is beyond that which we can conceive. And we need to realize what's at the bedrock of why that's true. We begin with Shemois, this week's parsha, where perhaps you have one of the most stunning examples of this in the Chumash, right there staring us in the face. We come to Davin every day, I'm going to ask for this, I'm going to ask for this. Why? Why? Let me ask you something. If you knocked on somebody's door, and you knew they have the thing you need, and you knew that they might give it to you, how would you knock on that door? So how come we're not knocking on Hashem's door that way? There's a disconnect. Something's missing. Let's today try and connect those wires so that it lights up. Join me, please. It can light up here and there a minute and it can grow from there. You open up your Chumash this week's parasha. We know the Jews, they're in Mitzrayim and they've gone through the servitude. And Hashem in this week's parasha is going to take Moshe who's going to be our leader, that's going to redeem us from Egypt. And it's in this week's parasha that Hashem takes Moshe, has the burning bush, and tells him it's time to go redeem the Jews. But what spurred that moment? What gave birth to that redemption that we're so familiar with? The awesome exodus from Egypt, the going out, Yetzirah Mitzrayim. What a moment. What spurred it? What made it come into reality? Says the Pasuk in this week's parasha. My friends, where were we? How are we missing this? Vayehi Vayomim harabim hoheim It was in those days. Vayomos melech Mitzrayim, the king of Egypt died. And the Jews, they groaned from the hard labor that was being imposed upon them by the Egyptians. They groaned, they moaned. And they cried out. 
Vatal Shavosom Elo Eloikim. And their outcry went up to Hashem. And that's exactly what Hashem says when, when he has the burning bush. He tells Moshe Rabbeinu that I have heard. The outcry, shamati. I heard the cry of the Jewish people. I heard the cry of the Jewish people. That means that the awesome redemption that we're familiar with, the Pesach story, the Haggadah, the ten plagues, the awesome miracles upon miracles that happened, what made it begin? What inspired Hashem, you may say? To tell Moshe, okay, it's, sta- it's happening right now. We're taking them out. Tzakosom shemati, I heard their cry. Vatal shavosom. They moaned, they cried out. And we begin, Yitzias Mitzrayim. But wait. Stop. Who cried out? They daven, they daven. You want to know why Yitzhak Mitzrayim began? Because they daven. But who davened? Who are these people that davened? What do Chazal tell us? What does the Zayar tell us? At this point in time, when it was the time to redeem the Jews, how were they faring? How were they? Better than us? Great Jews doing wonderful? No, that's not what it says. It says that these Jews were on the 49th level of Tumah of impurity. They were literally one step away from oblivion. They were so steeped in idol worship that the angels prosecuted and said, Hashem, why on earth are you saving them? They and the Egyptians are both idol worshippers. Why are you saving one and destroying the other? They're indiscernible from the Egyptians. I don't think you and I are indiscernible from Egyptians. These Jews were at the rock bottom. And they cried out. And they moaned. They said, Oy vey. And our swarm tell us they didn't even know really how to dove him. That's why it just says, by his uku, they cried out. They didn't even have the words. They didn't have the connection. It's not like they felt, Hashem, we know you, we get you. The Moranaim says, no, they didn't connect to Hashem. They had a very superficial connection to Hashem at that point. But they cried out, they moaned, they said, help us. Hashem says, I heard their outcry, Moshe, go save them. But wait, that's going to require the most, the most earth-shattering chain of events that the world has ever seen? The mockers, the plagues, we're going to turn over this place, it's going to blow everyone's mind? Why? What's the merit? They davened. They davened. I heard them davening. Who? Idol worshippers. People on the bottom. Oh, but they davened. But they davened. They called out to me. 
If you call out to me, I help you. A yid calls out to Hashem, he helps. Because a child that calls out to his parent, the parents come and help. What our parasha is screaming to us is something that all of our svarim echo. The ability to daven, the ability to ask Hashem for help, the ability to change what your life looks like and what will happen in your life. Even the ability to go from slavery to freedom in a series of astonishing, mind-blowing miracles is within the ability and capability of every individual through davening. Everyone has the power of davening. Everyone has the power of prayer. Every one of us, no matter who you are, are you lower than the Jews in Egypt? Are you less capable of davening than these people who literally didn't know how to put the words together? They just moaned. They said, Oi! Are we less than that? Tzakosam shamati. Hashem says, I heard them. I heard it. No matter who we are. A child is allowed to call out to his father. And a father comes running. We need to shift our perspective on davening. What do we say in davening every day? In Shema Kaleinu, the paragraph right before we say, we say, Ki ato, we, we ask Hashem, He should answer our tefillahs, Because you Hashem, if it's in davening, it's a statement, it's a fact. Because you Hashem are the one that hears the davening, the prayer of every single mouth of your Jewish people. With mercy. You hear that statement? That's part of davening. That means it's a fact. It's never not true. You Hashem will listen to the prayer of every Jew with mercy. Every single Jew. When we step forward into davening, we need to realize what that davening can do, the power of that davening, that it has the ability to turn over the world. But what about me? I'm a sinner. I'm a terrible person. I'm telling you, you're not worse than we were in Egypt. And I'm asking for too much. I'm telling you, you're not asking for more than what they asked for in Egypt, which was the impossible. I'm telling you, we are not lower than them. And we are not asking for more than they asked for. 
And Hashem says in this week's parasha, I heard them, I'm answering. Why? Because of what Hashem says in this story. Bini Bechoyri Yisrael. And this is the root of what we need to shift. Hashem says, Bini Bechoyri Yisrael. My firstborn child, that's the Jewish people. That's my firstborn child you're talking about. And we need to go through a tremendous shift right now. An emotional shift. Because many of us view stepping into davening as like a negotiator in a hostage situation. Hashem's got the money, He's got the health, He's got the goods, and we've got to negotiate and sweet talk our way into a good deal. It's a terrible, terrible mistake. That's not what's going on. We're stepping in to an intimate conversation with the love of our life, our Father. And our Father Hashem never stops loving and caring about us. And never stops wanting everything good for you. So when you step forward to Davin and you say, but who am I to Davin? Who are you? Hashem said, Bini B'choyri Yisrael. You're my firstborn child. That's who you are. You're my favorite person in the whole world. That's who you are. How could you not talk to me? How could you not ask me? I care about you more than anything. I care about your health more than anything. I care about your money more than anything. I care about the splinter in your finger more than anything. Because if it bothers you, it bothers me, Hashem says. If it hurts you, it hurts me. When we walk into davening, you're not walking in to negotiate. You're walking to have a conversation with your father. It's true. Sometimes Hashem, who sees things from a bigger picture, He does things differently because He knows that's better for us. Sometimes Hashem has to do that, as a parent does for a child. But when you walk in and you say, Who am I to Dalvin? Who am I that Hashem would listen to me? Bini B'chari Yisrael, you're my child, you're the great Jew, you're the everything. But I ruined myself. No, you didn't. But look, in Egypt, they literally sunk to the bottom. Hashem said at that moment, let everyone remember for all time that sinking to the bottom does not actually break this relationship. If anything, like a parent to a child, it awakens even more mercy, even more love as I long and yearn for you to get back. But heaven forbid... It doesn't cut us apart. It doesn't separate us. The Nesiva Shalom says something. He says a story that happened. It's an unbelievable point. 
to sear this into our hearts so that when we step into davening, and by the way, this doesn't mean just davening in shul. When you sit right now and you say, Hashem, help me. Hashem, my head's hurting. Please make my head feel better. Hashem, help me be healthy. Help me be well. Hashem, protect me from COVID. Keep me safe. Hashem, help me be a good Jew. I want to be better. Help me focus when I'm learning Torah. Help me daven better. Then the Sibah Shalom says, you know what they used to do for an hour before davening? They used to daven, then Hashem should help them daven. You can daven to daven. And we need to do that with the sense that Hashem hears every single word. With mercy, with love. He was waiting for those words. He's waiting to give us whatever He can. He's waiting to help us out. He wants us to beseech Him. He wants us to ask. You're not burdening Him. You're not annoying Him. It's the pleasure of a child asking their father. And the father was waiting for that moment when they could rush in and help. The Nesiv says from the Chernobyl Amagid that there was once somebody sitting there at his table and he was a, 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 a real sinner. No good Nick. And in the middle of the meal, he went, Oi, Oi. He felt a little bad for who he was sitting there in the presence of the great Tzaddik, the Chernobyl Magid. He gave a little groan. Words, no words. No words. No full passionate feeling, no deep beseeching, just a, oi, a krechts, we call it, oi. The Chernobyl Amagid said, on that krechts that he heard, he said, anybody who does not believe that Hashem heard and accepted that moan, that he accepted that little krechts, that groan, and that he's going to answer it. If you don't believe that, you are a heretic. That's what he said. Amazing. That our disbelief that Hashem is listening and cares about every little utterance we say, every little moan, every little Hashem help me, he says that's heresy. Heresy! Because Hashem's your father. We think he's not listening. How could we think he doesn't care? Am I worthy? <laughs> the Shem Shmuel says, How could you ask yourself, Am I worthy to come ask Hashem for something? And who do you think's been taking care of you until now? And were you worthy yesterday and the day before? Who's worthy? None of us. None of us can claim Hashem owes us. And yet we've made it all this way. Shem Shmuel says, you know why? Because Hashem's mercy, love, and compassion is endless. So stop calculating. Stop trying to be Hashem's accountant. Don't do the math for Hashem. There is no math. Know that when you come forward to ask Hashem will give it if He can. Hashem wants to give you what you're asking for. If it will be good for you. If it's possible. 
Because you're asking your father, who never stops loving you. The Bredichever says something astonishing. I almost dare to say it. I don't know. He says that if Hashem would have His way, so to speak, He would pour kindness on the most wicked person just the same as He would the greatest person, the most righteous. Because Hashem just wants to give. And Hashem just loves unconditionally. He says yeah, Hashem knows that for the world to run and go the right way, he, he doesn't do that, so He holds Himself back. But if Hashem had His way, so to speak, He would really just pour kindness on everybody, even the most wicked. And in fact, says the Bedichever, that Hashem is waiting so eagerly to give you the thing that you want, that when you step forward and you daven for it, because sometimes you can't get it, you don't deserve it. But when you daven and you ask Hashem, you awaken mercy, which can change everything, where, where you could have people on the 49th level of impurity that all of a sudden get blasted out of Egypt in a series of astonishing miracles. Why? Because they daven, they unlocked mercy, which doesn't have rules and doesn't have boundaries and doesn't have limitations. And when we step forward and we ask, says the Bedichever, listen to this. He says, Hashem is waiting. He wants to give us what we want. If you want it, Hashem wants you to have it even more. And that when you daven, and through your davening, you unlock the mercy which lets you get it. Because davening really, really works. The Bidichavah says, you just gave Hashem a present. I'm telling you what he said. You gave Hashem a gift. You asked Hashem for something and Hashem's going to give it to you now? And you think you got from Hashem. It's true, you did. But you gave Hashem a gift too. You know what that gift was? That Hashem wanted to give it to you. And He needed you to daven for it. He needed you to daven. The rule is davening works and we have to do it. It's what makes everything come into the world. It's the connection between us and Hashem. That's the pipeline for all of the bracha. It's that which awakens mercy, which could push aside all of the things standing in the way of those things coming in the world. And Hashem was waiting for that. Hashem was, was wishing that He could send that into your life. And now you step forward and you ask for it. And Hashem says, thank you. You brought me joy because now I can give you joy. Like the Chavetz Chaim writes in Shemir Salashan, Hashem loves a person more than a person loves themselves. So you think you want that thing? Hashem wants you to have it more. You're davening. And you say, who am I to daven? Well, Hashem deserves davening, right? And Hashem wants to give it to you. Daven for Him. <laughs> daven for Him. Because He wants you to have it. appreciate who we're talking to. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what level you're on. And it doesn't matter what you're asking for. doesn't matter what you're asking for. Hashem is our Father. He loves us. 
He loves us unconditionally. He loves us never, without end, never ending, never stopping. He wishes to give us. He's waiting to give us. He wants to give us. And He wants us to daven so that He could give us. Davening works. Davening took us out of Egypt. Davening can make miracles happen. Davening is for every person, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what language you speak. Because a child is allowed to call out to their parent, and a parent is waiting for the child to call out to them. Our father is waiting to hear. shamati. I heard their cry. Hashem was waiting. He was listening. Where is that moan? But I don't know how to say the words. So moan, so groan, so call out. I don't even know the language. I barely could connect. So say something. Utter the words. Do what you can. Shake the world with prayer. Because that's what truly shakes the world. Maybe I'm asking for too much. So you say, maybe I'm asking too much. The Medrash Tanchuma tells us that Hashem took Moshe Moshe Rabbeinu on a little tour of heaven. And he said, look, look at this massive treasure house. Unbelievable storehouse of blessing. It's for the righteous. Look at this massive storehouse of blessing. Moshe Rabbeinu says, who is it for? He says, it's for those who learn Torah. Then Hashem shows him another massive storehouse of blessing. Who is it for? Hashem says, oh, that one is for those who support Tyra. And then Moshe Rabbeinu sees a treasury that is bigger than all the treasuries he saw before. It's greater, larger, with more blessing in it. And he says, who gets this one? How do you get from this treasury, this treasure house, which is more than anything else? And Hashem says, oh, that one? That's for those who have no good reason to get. That's for those who don't have any actions and good deeds to make them worthy. That's my treasure house of matnas chinam, of free gifts. And that one's bigger than all the others. And the Chdush says, how do you get it? If it's free, how do you get it? He said one thing, just realizing that it comes for free. Realizing that Hashem is waiting to bestow free, endless gifts on us. And that's a bigger treasury than all the other ones. So if you're ever thinking, maybe I'm asking too big. Hashem already said to Moshe Rabbeinu, this is my biggest treasury, and it's called free gifts. So, what do you got to argue with Hashem? Don't do that. You can't, don't argue with Hashem. Hashem said, I have it waiting. It's the free gifts. Just come ask for a free gift. How do I do that? How do I dare? Because you're my father. Because that's what you want for me. 
It's true. Sometimes Hashem will not give us exactly what we're asking for. He sees bigger. He sees better. He knows sometimes that He has to say no for a greater purpose. But you should know that although Hashem is holding back so that you could get something even better. The fact that it hurts you to wait and to get it differently, it hurts Hashem too. But He knows, He sees where He needs to get us. And so He guides our life that way. But not because davening doesn't work. Not because He doesn't hear. Not because davening can't change the world. It can and it does. Every single day it does. We just don't see it. And perhaps we've even stopped believing it. So now it's time to wake up. Now it's time to reconnect. Get our heart back on board and realize this is real. We're not smooth talking our way into blessings. We're just sitting in front of our Father and we're asking. Would you mind helping out your kid? And Hashem says, wow, I've been waiting for you to ask that. Sometimes, though, we feel the other way. So good, I'll ask for my health. I'll ask to not get COVID. I'll ask for money if I need it. But what about the little things? I'm going to bother Hashem with the little things. Bother Hashem with the little things. My toe's hurting. I should ask Hashem to make my toe not hurt. I want to catch the train. I should ask Hashem I should catch the train. Should I really bother Hashem with these little things? Again, coming from the same, same mistake. We're not negotiating. We're not making a business deal. We're talking to our Father. We're talking to Hashem who loves us more than we love ourselves. The Dibre Shmuel said a person should never be embarrassed for what they want to ask of Hashem. Don't never be embarrassed no matter how small it is. You can literally ask Hashem, save my life. And also, I'd like a chocolate bar. You can ask for both those things. Never be embarrassed because Hashem's your father. And he said over that once the students of Rebbechaz Karitzer saw him, Rebbechaz Karitzer, what a great, unbelievable person. Can you imagine what his davening was like? Can you imagine what he asked for during davening? And he stepped out of Shemoyna Esrei. And then they heard him say in Yiddish, plain old simple Yiddish, Hashem, could you please get my cleaning help, the lady that helps clean the house? Can you please return her back to my house? And all the Hasidim were so bewildered. Wow, what on earth? What, what super secrets he must have meant? What does a cleaning lady mean? What does it mean? Come back to my house. These must be deep Kabbalistic concepts. They said to him, Rebbe, teach us. What are you alluding to? He said, no, no. <laughs> I meant exactly what I said. My cleaning lady got into a fight with my wife and she left. But my wife really needs the help. So I asked Hashem, could you, could you help us get our cleaning lady back? And he said to them, because don't you understand? Hashem's my father. 
And who should I ask if not my father that cares for me? You hear that? Who should I ask if not my father? You say, how could I bother him? Who should you ask? Who could you ask? Who would you ask? If not your father. If not Hashem. Yeah, help me with the cleaning lady. Help me with the phone bill. Help me with my back pain. Help me with my confidence. Help me with my self-esteem. Help me with my hair. Shouldn't have a bad hair day. Anything. It doesn't matter. And the truth is that even that itself, the fact that you recognize that Hashem is the one you turn to, that's what Hashem's looking for. It's exactly what Hashem wants. That we should recognize, who should I turn to? How can I not ask Him? He's my Father. He cares about everything. Every little thing and every big thing. There's no limit. So let's be clear. There's no limit on who can daven. No matter how low you sink, Hashem calls you my sweet firstborn child. I'm waiting for you. I'm listening to your outcry. I'm listening to your every word. It doesn't matter who you are. There's no limit who you are that can daven. There's no limit to what you can ask for. You can ask for the craziest miracles. For Hashem, they're nothing. It's easy. You say, but how am I worthy? Hashem has a whole treasury for people not worthy. Just ask. And you say, but maybe it's too little. No, there's no limit on how small the thing is you can daven for too. There's no limit. Hashem is your father. Who else are you going to ask? Hashem wants you to treat him as your father. He wants you to recognize that he's your father. He wants you to turn to him with every request. With every little thing. And to say, help me, Abba. Help me, Daddy. Daddy, I need your help. And there's no limit to the quality of davening. A moan, a groan, a something. Hashem hears everyone with mercy, with love. And that's what He was waiting for. Hashem's waiting to answer our prayers. Hashem is waiting to answer our tefillos, our davening. You think you're waiting? Hashem's waiting even fiercer. You think you want it? Hashem wants you to have it even more. So for Hashem's sake, let's daven and believe that it works. Let's believe in the words we're saying. Let's truly, what it really comes down to, believe in the relationship we have with Him. It's a very sweet story. Heard it throughout my whole life. Always left its impression on me. about the concept of a, of a heartfelt prayer, a heartfelt davening, something real, something that's genuine. And that it doesn't matter who you are or why you're davening. 
And the Yirak Kaddish, one of the great tzaddikim, one of the great rebbes, once fell seriously ill. And where he lived, it became so grave, the situation. He was on death's door. And the town decided that as a merit to, to pray, to daven, to do tshuva, they would fast. The whole town was fasting in the hopes that that would turn around this decree on the Yid HaKadosh and allow Hashem to restore His health. And on that day that they were all fasting and davening, please Hashem, save our great rabbi. A very simple Jew traveler came into town and having no clue what was going on, he marched right into the inn like a good traveler in those days and he wanted a good drink, a little bit of schnapps. And he went in and he said to the person who ran the inn, please, can I have a shot of schnapps? And the innkeeper said, what? I can't give you that. He said, why not? He said, didn't you hear? We're fasting because the great rabbi, the Yidah Kodesh, is very, very sick. I can't give you schnapps. And this traveler who wanted schnapps, he was thirsty, he wanted a good drink. He said, what, really? Oh, Hashem, please make the Yid HaKadosh get better. Make this rabbi be healed so that I could have schnapps. And the Yid HaKadosh had a remarkable turnaround and a remarkable recovery. And when he got up, he said, I want everyone to know the prayer, the davening that healed me was that Travelers davening. You know why? Because he really wanted schnapps. Because he really asked his father for something. Because like a child to his father, he said, Hashem, heal him because I want to drink. And he meant it. He believed he was having a conversation with his father. what healed me. To believe in what this conversation with Hashem could do. There was a yeshiva that had a student in it. And this student was the child of a single mother. And unfortunately, things for this student were not going well. And the Anhola, the Rebbeim, those who ran the yeshiva, they had a meeting. And they were questioning, should we tell the mother that things are not going well? And they thought about the situation, they analyzed it, and they decided, in truth, there's nothing the mother could do. In this situation, this is not something the mother can help. And therefore, why should we tell her? Cause her heartache. We will try and solve the situation. And if it doesn't work, we'll have to throw the boy out. But why, throughout the process, make the mother have to suffer along? She can't do anything anyways. 
And so they tried to try this, implement this solution, that solution. And after a month, they realized nothing doing. It's not happening. And they called the mother up. They said, we're so sorry. We have to throw your son out of yeshiva. She said, you're throwing my son out of yeshiva? How come, how come I didn't hear about it? How come you didn't tell me about any of the problems? It's the first time I'm hearing. They said, oh no, well, let's ex- we'll explain to you. We didn't want to burden you. We knew that in this situation there was nothing you could do. These were the problems. There was nothing you could do. We tried. And now we're at the point that he has to be thrown out, but we didn't want to give you the heartache throughout the process. The mother turned to them and said, Nothing I can do? You didn't tell me because there's nothing I could do? I could have davened. What do you mean nothing I could do? I could have davened to Hashem to help my son turn around. She said, no way. We're going to have a meeting with Reb Michal Yehuda Lefkowitz, one of the great tzaddikim of that time. We're going to go have a meeting. You have no right to throw my son out if you didn't give me a chance to daven for him. And there they went and they sat in his home in his dining room. And the rabbis, they said their part of the story. And the mother, she said her part of the story. And Reb Michal Yehuda Lefkowitz turned to the yeshiva, to the administrators of the yeshiva, and they said, you cannot throw the boy out. Because you did not give his mother a chance to daven for him. How could you throw out the child if the mother didn't yet have a chance to daven? You must take him back. She's going to daven? It's going to do something? Yes! That's what does everything. Hashem listens to davening. He listens to prayer. He listens to when we call. He's waiting for that. How could you throw out the boy? We don't know what Daphne would have done yet. Take him back. Let her Daphne. If Milech Biederman once said something astonishing, a similar line. He said that a Rosh Yeshiva, a head of a very large, prominent Yeshiva, that has been the head of this Yeshiva for already many, many years. So he has seen tremendous numbers of students come, learn, and move on and go on with their life. And he said to Rav Meilich Biederman, I've noticed a pattern that almost doesn't make sense. You know what the pattern is? There could be a family where all the boys are really, really strong. They're bright, they're great learners, and they come into the yeshiva and they're doing awesome. And in those families, often you'll have one of the brothers, three great brothers, and one of them is not, not as impressive, not as great, not as bright, not as quick, not as strong, not as dedicated. He said, but almost every single time, 
as I watch them through the years and then move on in life, the weaker brother ends up excelling and being successful beyond his more skilled and brilliant brothers. Every time I'm watching this, three guys, they come in, boom, they're exploding. And one guy's schlepping along. And all of a sudden, the little schlepper, I'm watching him and he's going nudging past all of them. And he goes and he's more successful. And he has an unbelievable future. And he leaves them behind in the dust. How? Every time I'm seeing this happen again and again and again. How is it happening? He said, and I've come to one conclusion. Why the weaker brother keeps doing better in the end? It doesn't make sense. Why is it happening? He said, my conclusion is because the weaker brother is the one that the parents are davening for. Because the weaker brother is the one that the parents are turning and opening up their tehillim and opening up their siddur and throwing up their hands to Hashem and saying, Hashem, look at that son of ours. He needs some help. Help him. The other ones are doing well. They're not dominating for. The one that's not doing so good, the schlepper, the nebuch, that's the one they're dominating for. And once those tefillos go up to Hashem, then that one excels past all the other ones. Oh, they're naturally gifted. That's got nothing on the gift that comes through davening. They're so amazing. Yeah, but that's nothing compared to what Hashem can do when you ask. And if that's the one they're asking for, then He ends up excelling beyond the others. Davening works, my friends. We gotta believe in davening if we wanna feel it when we step it out there to talk to Hashem. It works. It really, really works. You know, they come out with all these booklets that show, oh, this school or that school, all these various things that you could do that are meritorious and interesting things you could do to get various merits and get things to happen. And they may all be true. I'm not commenting on them right now. But I always feel, I wish they would also come out with a book that says all the awesome stories that happen, not from people who gave to that cause or did this thing or went there, but a book about all the people that saw amazing salvation from just asking Hashem for it. I wish they would put out a book like that so that we would once again believe in davening. Believe in the words that come out of our mouth, the words that go to our Father, our Father who's sitting in front of a treasury of matnas chinam, free gifts that He's waiting to just pour onto His children that He loves more than anything and more than even we love ourselves. So that you don't ask yourself, what right do I have to daven? But rather, let's ask ourselves, how can we not daven? Like Repentance Koritzer said, who should I ask if not my father? That's the question. That's the way our heart should beat. Who should I ask? Of course I turn to my father. There is nobody else. And there's nobody who cares as much as him. Of course I'm going to ask him. For the biggest things, for the smallest things, when I'm doing well, when I'm doing poorly... 
when I'm able to daven beautifully, and when I'm able to only mumble the words. And I want to tell you and leave you with a piece from the Balatanya that I think is staggering. The Balatanya writes, Nigeras Hachuva, a remarkable thing. Because many of our davenings, many of our tefillos, we really mumble our way through. It's a work in progress, we'll call it. And we, it is. Could those really work? Would they work? Are they worth anything? The Balatanya writes something incredible in the Yerasa Tshuva. In Shemayna Esra, you'll notice, you say, Hashem, heal. Please heal the sick. And then you end, blessed are you, Hashem, who heals. Right? That's, that's, how, that's how the whole Shemayna Esra goes. You say, Hashem, Hashem, please forgive. Blessed are you, Hashem, who forgives. Please give us wisdom. Blessed are you, Hashem, who gives us wisdom. What's that bracha going on? Blessed are you, Hashem, who does it? So I think many of us think it's just a general praise. I'm asking you to heal this person. And then I say, in general, blessed are you because you heal. The Balatanya says, wrong. Do you know what that blessing is at the end? That is a thank you in response to the fact that Hashem just answered your request. Do you hear what I'm saying? That that is a thank you, a blessing, not a thank a blessing, a bracha of thanks that Hashem just answered what you just one second ago asked for. And then the Balatanya says, now listen, he says, there is a halacha that you're not allowed to make blessings if there's even a little bit of doubt whether they apply. You can't make a blessing if you don't know if it applies. He says if a person's going to make a bracha on something, it has to be 100% that that bracha is applicable. He says, you know what that means? That when you say, please heal, and then you say, thank you, Baruch Atah Hashem, blessed are you Hashem, who healed, and you're talking about the fact that Hashem just answered what you said, there is not, this is what he writes, there is not even a shred of doubt, not even a shred of doubt, that Hashem did just answer your prayers on some level in some way. Maybe you're not going to see it. It's not going to be obvious. Maybe it's not exactly the way you pictured, but that Hashem responded and literally changed something because you spoke to Him is guaranteed or you would not be allowed to make a bracha on it. You would not be allowed to make a blessing. This is what the Balatanya writes. Do you understand what I'm saying, my friends? I'm saying is that when you show up, when you open your siddur, when you mumble those words, because even when you're mumbling and even if you just did the worst sins and even if no matter what, you have, you're supposed to go down to Shemayin And when you mumble those words, you're supposed to make a blessing at the end. And if you're saying that blessing, that means that there isn't a shred of doubt that those words you just said, that request you just made from Hashem, Hashem heard it 
in his endless love and mercy, he responded already. He already responded and changed the world in some way, in some capacity, on some level. Hashem just answered you and with absolute confidence, with not even the tiniest doubt, we then say, Blessed are you, Hashem. A bracha. I'm going to make a bracha now because you just answered me. Baruch ato Hashem. Because absolutely guaranteed, Hashem just answered our tefillahs, our prayers. So my dearest friends, there is no limits and there is no room for doubt. There is no room to feel that davening is some sort of performance which doesn't have meaning. No. Today, let's begin stepping into davening with a different viewpoint. With recognizing the power in those words, believing in prayer again. Let's believe in davening again. Let's believe in our relationship with Hashem again. Let us believe in the absolute love that Hashem has for us again. Let us believe that every time we say that bracha, it's because Hashem literally, immediately, just now when we uttered the words, He answered them. That means that a Jew, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going to ask for, When you ask Hashem for it, there is an absolute, guaranteed, immediate response. On some level, the world changes. Because why? Because keep because you're my child, because I've been waiting just to give you that, because I want you to dive in and connect for me, and I want to give you everything you want, and I want to turn over the world for you, and I don't care if you're on the lowest level, and I don't care if you don't know how to speak, and I don't care if your heart is not filled with passion and love, and you don't even know how to connect deeply with me. If you utter those words like a parent to a child, when I hear that cry, when I hear that little sob, I will come running and I will give you and I will take care of you and I will raise you up to the heights of the world and I will open my treasury of free gifts and I will shower you with it and I will love you infinitely and forever because that is what our relationship is all about. There is nothing too big that you can't ask for and there is nothing too small that you should be embarrassed to ask for. Every day, all day, every situation and all circumstances, let us turn to Hashem like they did in Egypt to ask Hashem, to connect to Hashem to realize who should we talk to if not our Father? Who would we want to talk to if not our Father? And our Father is sitting there waiting to have us come talk to Him. To believe that every one of those words is scooped up by Hashem and changes the world. May we all merit to have Hashem open our heart to see what's really going on in this relationship, to realize the beauty and the depth of connection and love, to realize how powerful our davening is. May Hashem answer all of our tefillahs in a way that's revealed 
and clear and evident to us, to the whole world, so that our lives should be filled with blessing and everything good that we ask for, and above all, filled with the realization of the unbelievable gift of this loving, deep relationship that we have with Hashem every single day of our life. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.